Seriously, Danny McBride cannot act to save his goddamn life. William Shatner's asshole emotes more than Danny fucking McBride. Radio Drome. Welcome to Radio Drome, the first ar- full cast episode of Radio Drome of the new year. I am Josh Hadley. With me is Peter, all the way up from Canada. I'm, I'm kind of here, but I'm kind of not. Which is fair. And Cecil, <laughs> all the way from America. You make it sound so exotic. I'm trying. <laughs> Peter's Skype picture won't stop hitting on me, so I'm trying here. It certainly won't. Yours won't stop hitting on me either. I mean, that sexy Iron Maiden shirt and that that beard and that look, that steely serial killer rapist look. It's just <laughs> you just want to stroke my beard, don't you? <laughs> it's full of rich green penis. <laughs> That's terrible. I quit. Yes. Just a few for the road. I was going to say, is that is that the segue? To, and if you want rich green penis, then go to adamandeve.com. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Go to adamandeve.com. Speaking of green penis. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free Power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So tonight, since it's a new year, let's take a look at some of the things in modern filmmaking that need to go away. Things that really annoy us in modern films versus the films we loved growing up. Now this doesn't mean, I want to be very, very clear, this does not mean modern films all suck, older movies are all better. There are just certain things, you you can't deny that there are filming techniques and certain trends that have taken over modern film that didn't used to be there. Well, anyone that's been listening to me for any length of time knows that I hate shaky cam. It is ruining action movies. Like, there are so many action movies that are, like, they're good, they have a good story, and there's a lot of obvious work that goes into them. And they'll have, like, let's say, a big fight sequence. And you can't see anything because the camera is up so close and they're quick cutting and the camera's flailing all over the place. And then you don't know who, it's like all all of a sudden, oh, well, that guy fell over. I guess the other guy won. I'd say I'd tell people to go back to our Rob Zombie episode. Like with 31, the fight scenes are so up close and shaky. We had to wait to see who stood up at the end to know who got killed. That's not how you do action. Yeah, well, my my only thing with that, and and this is a not a full on defense of Rob Zombie, but Rob Zombie, he's a horror director. He didn't really know how to shoot action sequences, and so I think, uh, you know, I mean, that's the only defense I can give him. But I mean, when you've got somebody like Paul Greengrass, who is more or less the guy who made shaky cam a thing, it's just that. It's a way to do things quick and on the cheap. You know, it's like if they if they uh, film something and it's like, oh, crap, uh, we need to uh, conceal this or we need to make it look more exciting. They'll just shake the camera all over. And the thing is, what he does a lot of times, some of the with the Bourne movies, they film the scene with a steady cam and then go in and add the shake in post. That's infuriating. That, like, that's unforgivable. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you, you may, okay, this looked good, 
but then you actively went and made it look like shit. Like, that is, goes against every law of filmmaking, and yet he keeps getting these huge budgeted movies, and they always look like shit. That one is definitely one I agree with. I, I think it, done right, it can look okay, but most of the time, especially for action movies, it's terrible. Because I think the whole point of especially an action sequence in an action movie is choreography. A well, really well choreographed, wide shot of two people kicking the shit out of each other. Proper angles, really hits that look like they're actually hard and swift and stunts and, and choreographed fight scenes that look really cool. And they feel like it, that gets ruined when you, when you add the shakiness to it. Like that's what ruined 31. 31 was essentially Rob Zombie's attempt at an action movie and he completely bungled it because we couldn't see anything. And I think what I might hate more is CG blood. I find CG blood absolutely unforgivable. It looks like ass and it constantly, anytime I see it, immediately takes me out of the film. Oh, I absolutely agree with you on the CG blood. And I'll go one step further. CG fire. Fire, real fire moves in a very specific way. CG fire. And creates a certain light as well. A certain lighting comes with real fire. Exactly. Can't really replicate yeah, using post or, you know, post editing with color or adding a, like a light in the background or whatever. When you have a fire burning, not only the flames, but the, the type of light that it's casting. It all, yeah, definitely fake fire takes me out of a movie as well. And it's, it, fire is cheap. Cavemen could make fire. Why can't you make some goddamn fire? That's what pisses me off when I, whenever I see it. And blood, too. You know, I will. I hate CG blood, but I will give you the reason why it exists. For PG-13 version of the movie, and then the unrated version of the movie. Oh, there God. Are a like lot what they of, did with, uh, like like what they did with, with Die Hard. Like what they did yeah. with Expendables 3. Like what they did with Die Hard was that they shot the scenes, and you see people getting hit. And, like, it's visceral, it's real, it looks right. It looks like something that exists. And CG blood is something uh, that they just haven't figured out how to master yet. They do it, and it just doesn't look right. The lighting's off, it looks too... I, I don't animated. know what it is. It's, it looks too animated, it just doesn't look right. It looks cartoonish. Mm. It's a shame, because there are some good movies. Like, I really, I love the Expendables movies. But the CG blood, I think, is just really phony and hokey. And it, it does a disservice to the movie that they're they're trying to emulate they're trying to do homages to the old big you know action movies they get all these old stars together that are out there can ass and they're a lot of fun and then it's just cg blood all over the place it's like it's ridiculous it, it's if, if ever there's a movie that shouldn't have cg blood it's the freaking expendables movies or a horror movie like like a, it, it takes me out of uh, when I'm watching a lot of recent slashers that come out utilize the the CG blood and it's it, it ruins it. it 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 makes it it's not a splatter flick if there's no actual splatter if nobody's actually covered in any blood it's just pointless. When when I was watching Don't Breathe when Stephen Lang kills the the first robber I went oh god that entire gunshot and brain splatter was all CG it just it yeah. looked so fake. Great, great movie, but yeah, even that one suffered from the the CG blood bullshit that we're getting. Like, that was a fantastic film, but I had a few notches down to what I normally would have. Like, I, I felt like that could have been a 10 if if the, the gore was actually practical. There's one other reason that they use CG blood. You can get more setups in a day because you don't have to clean the set. So you can mm. film the scene nine times in an hour instead of having to film it once, clean the set, film it again, clean the set. It makes production time, it cuts production time in half. That's one of the things I've gotten from many modern commentaries is CG blood saved us like five days on our schedule. Yeah, but then like it, your movie doesn't look as good as it could. 
you know, mm-hmm. like look at late phases, late phases had a very small budget and they went full on with practical effects. They went, uh, they had a very minimal amount of CG. They went Cairo and red dye. Uh, it was just blood and gore and they really went above and beyond. And the only thing was the, the werewolf in certain shots didn't look as good as it could have, but it, they still look better than the freaking werewolves in American werewolf in Paris. Along those same lines though, you have CG being used on things that shouldn't be CG. Now, I understand. If you're on a low-budget movie, maybe you don't have the money to make a big space battle and it has to be CG. Fine. I accept that. The Hangover movies, anytime you you see Las, Las Vegas outside of a window, it's a green screen. They shoot that in a studio and just add Las Vegas in post. You don't need to do that. Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> the fucking Tribble was CG. You literally couldn't buy a Star Trek brand Tribble to have there. You literally had to CG a Tribble. Yeah, unnecessary CG. The whole CG blood is part of that because NCG fire, things like that are, are incredibly unnecessary. And I get that, you know, it saves time on cleanup and you can get a movie done quicker. Like you have to get a, a movie done in like a week or whatever. No, take your time. You have the budget to good practical effect creature or a starship or something. Yeah, the, the there's a lot of unneeded use of, of green screening and uh it just looks bad. It looks cheap. I, I hate things that have unnecessary CG in them and a lot, a lot of uh a lot of blockbusters are doing that lately. A lot of the the Marvel movies will do that. There's even some where parts of the movie are practical and then parts of the effects are CG and the CG stands which that's out. That's not bad. Which well, that works. I mean that that works in like Jurassic Park and uh Terminator right. 2 and in movies like this, but sometimes they they do it where like in a movie what really pissed me off the most and this was the example i was going to make was in the the first hobbit movie with that white orc as a practical you know prosthetically designed orc warrior dude but they deemed that to look too violent so they just overlaid old white cg dude who looks like it could have worked uh, practical anyway but because the, the the what was it the producers of the studio or something didn't like the way just cg over that you can fix it in post fixing it in post is something that that's really annoying the crap out of me in in recent cinema is just if you don't like uh this doesn't work bullshit on that it never looks good it always looks like shit and case in point being that white orc from hobbit see i'm also thinking of now the movie is god awful it's one of my worst of the year but yoga hosers you've got k and b and robert kirschman doing all these beautiful practical effects for the big monster and the big nazi monster and then all the little bratsies look like they're from a looney tunes episode they don't mesh with the live action at all. You had Robert <laughs> Kurtzman on set. Kevin, why did you CG the Bratzies? <laughs> I think that with that, they were working with a very limited budget. And while he was able to get Johnny Depp, and they'll come in and work for a couple days, and then we can afford these guys for these days, and we can afford, like, lower-tier persons, or, or people, rather, uh, you know, that are cheaper at other times. So he was really just kind of looking to get bang for your buck at thing. And, the other, and the other thing, too, the other thing, too, though, you're saying it looked like Looney Tunes. Yeah, did you did you not get that this movie's called Yoga Hosers? It's not. It was like... I mean, I don't really think that they were focusing incredibly a lot on the Bratzies good enough to serve the purpose that they were there in the film. I would have liked them to have been uh, a little bit more practical and whatnot, but uh, that wasn't, you know, what they could afford. That and it movie, was, and it was not terrible. A, 
it was not a that is a case of where I will defend it because of the simple fact that that was not a movie that cost a hundred million dollars that was released in a three thousand theaters. That was a movie that Kevin made for a very small amount of money with some of his friends, and he wanted to do it because he wanted to make a movie that was more for you know girls like his daughter. And he he made, made the those movie. kind of movies in the nineties, and they were good. No, that like dude, it look go to any Kevin Smith like spoken word thing, go to anything, and the and the people that are there are nine. 90% guys. You know, they're not the kind of movies that that have as much appeal with women. They do appeal to women, but it's a it's way more skewed towards guys. So, he yes, made some got a point. My girlfriend kind of hates Kevin Smith. Like she thinks he's uh, I think she referred to him as a wanker. <laughs> But that's the thing, like, it's not, and that's fine. I mean, he's, you know, that is not primarily yeah. his target. It's took a while, actually. Yeah, that's why um, I see, that's why I see where you're coming from. Like, his, his movies are, I don't think he intends it, but they are sort of seemingly liked a lot more by dudes. So I can see why except, uh, Yoga okay. Hosers was maybe. Well, it's a bunch of... I'm going to argue with you guys on this. With Yoga Hosers, okay, if he made it for a teenage female audience, because teenage females are totally going to get Anthrax references and 60s Batman movie references and things like that. It was loaded with right. normal Kevin Smith things. No teenage girl was going to get these. Not as much. Not as much as Now you're like being a little bit... Uh, yeah, you're, you got a little sand a little in bit, your vagina. Uh, sexist there, Josh. Yeah, it's, Women it's, don't know Batman. Right. Modern like, teenage they, girls don't know Adam West Batman. Yes, I'm saying that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. It's, they probably do. You know, the thing is, like, so, like when when I went to see uh, Yoga Hosers in the theater, I it was one of the rare times, like, going to see a Kevin Smith movie, that there was actually more women in the audience. They were laughing at all the jokes that were aimed with them. They were laughing <laughs> at, like, cell phone jokes and stuff. and stuff that I, like, I got, but it wasn't really what I found funny, but they thought it was hilarious. So good on them you know but one of the things i want to go away is found footage I, now that doesn't mean found footage is inherently bad it's just so ubiquitous it needs to go away found footage was started in 1980 with cannibal holocaust throughout the entirety of the 1980s there were three found footage movies made and up until blair witch in 99 there were only five and that's including blair witch in the 1990s since blair witch there have been 138. That is too much. Found footage <laughs> needs to die. I am so sick of found footage. For one thing, Cecil, it usually involves shaky cam. Second, it's incredibly lazy and annoying. It needs to stop. You recommended the movie Harbinger Down to me. I got really worried because the first two or three minutes are all camcorder and found footage, and I was like, oh, God, please tell me this is not a found footage movie or I'm going to kick Cecil right in the teeth. <laughs> yeah, it, it it transitions after that. Like, I disagree with you. The thing is, you said that how many? There was 138, some... 138 since... since 1999. Okay, how many movies have come out since 1999? A million you know, so a, a, a you know a little less than two hundred is not the end of the world. No, but it My shows. Thing, but it now, shows I, a gimmick that is being way, way overused. 
I would look in, I would look more into the fact that, uh, there's probably been more found footage in the past probably eight years because Blair Witch, there wasn't a lot of footage movies right away. It really wasn't until Paranormal Activity that really kicked it into high gear where it was like, oh my God, we have to start cranking out the, uh, the found footage movies. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I, don't think that they need to go away because the thing is every time i think that they're i'm like oh god another found footage movie but then something will come along that surprises me and does it well and does it very entertaining now we've got a lot of garbage like the gallows but uh you know there's been some very creative good found footage movies over the years that uh are a mixture of shaky cam which i don't like but i mean it makes sense within the context of the film enjoy some of them for what they end up doing I just kind of wish that um, they would they would slow it down. So I wouldn't say to stop it. I would just say slow it down and, st- and stop using it as like such a catch-all. Like, okay, we can't afford to do this movie. Well, uh, you know, we can do it for this much as a found footage movie. And whenever they can't figure out how to do something, you know, anymore, well, let's do this, but do it as a found footage movie. Like they were trying to reboot the Friday the 13th franchise to the last reboot failed and they were, they were going to reboot boot it and do it as like a found footage movie and thankfully everybody said no that's a terrible idea and they decided against that but i'm sure that's still on somebody's like you know list of all right maybe we can squeeze this out and do another one as a found footage movie yeah i'm i'm tired of uh i'm just tired of the quantity but every now and then some uh, one will come along that i genuinely think is a good movie and i really enjoy and it'll kind of give me a little bit more faith okay well you know what maybe found footage isn't completely driven into the ground yet. I don't agree that it needs to die, but I do agree with Cecil that it needs to come stop coming out in such a vast quantity because it loses its effectiveness. The reason why Cannibal Holocaust was so effective is because nothing like that had been done. A movie movie, and it's a found footage movie, obviously in the footage that they find of the documentary makers or, or whatever that are doing the thing about the cannibal tribes. But yeah, that one was effective because Ruggiero Diodato was actually taken to court and had to provide the actors that were killed in the film because it looked as realistic as it did he had to explain how the uh the the tribe woman was you know impaled uh on the spike and that's why that was so effective the guy kicked out of italy over it basically blair witch project of course was effective because that was like year that was like what 20 something years later 15 or 20 quite some time after that uh which is why that was so effective but now we have a new found footage film not just once a year but there's like three or four a year maybe even five such an and i know movies come out every year obviously there's tons of action movies and slasher movies and dramas and romantic comedies uh, animated films what have you but this is sort of it should be a niche a subgenre of, of film that's meant to take you by surprise that's meant to take you out of fiction you think that it's something that's actually reality something that's really happening that's the whole point of found footage is that you think you found this like actual snuff tape or you know alien invasion footage or ghosts or some shit and it's it's meant to feel real no found footage movie in the last god like 10 years or so has felt real not since the paranormal activity movies have been coming out you know what was that that alien one um clover cloverfield or whatever that one is way too shaky didn't feel real at all uh it's it seems like a pointless genre at this point because its effectiveness is gone and it's because of the oversaturation of it yes tons of movies come out every year but this is a type of film that we should only be seeing 
once every couple of years. It should be one really effective one that comes out, and then we go for a period of time without them until we kind of forget about the trope, and then boom, we're hit with a new one. You know, this uh, tape was found in the the somewhere in the in the bayou last year or whatever the f- um, something that surprises you. But I think if they want to salvage it in some way, I mean, people are still going to see it, but if they want to salvage the effectiveness, they need to start putting them out once every three to five, maybe even 10 years uh, in order for the, that type of subgenre to actually be effective again. Another one that I have an issue with is, and this is mainly superhero movies, but anything adapted from a source material is the origin. You know, mm. the, the new Spider-Man movie is his origin again. They've confirmed that. Superman, Man of Steel, when that came out, it's his origin again. Who does not know the origin of Spider-Man or Superman or uh, the Fantastic Four? 20th Century Fox is looking to reboot the Fantastic Four again. Guess what? It's going to be about how they form as a team. Who the f*** needs that? Everybody knows (laughs) how Spider-Man got to be Spider-Man. And even if they don't, you might go, oh, newer viewers. It can be in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. You don't need the entire first movie being the origin story. I'm sick of origin movies. Over and over and over. 20th Century Fox announced when the X-Men movies reboot after the, after the Logan thing, it will be the origin again. You're gonna see how the new actor playing Wolverine got, got the adamantium again and it's like, fuck you! <laughs> now, I, here's my thing with Man of Steel. Man of Steel was setting up the new DC universe. They were starting with Superman. So they went with the origin story because it was Superman in the pre- Superman four, the last Superman movie was in 1987. So I really think in that case, it made more than enough sense for them to be like, okay, you know what? Since we are starting over again at the ground floor, this makes sense. We're going to but do But Superman Returns was only story. like, what, 10 years earlier? Maybe uh, not even that? But it wasn't an origin story. And on top of that, it blew. But so did the Man thing of Steel. Is, no, it did not. You're wrong. <laughs> the thing is... That Man was, of Steel, that, I thought, as far as as far as like origin stories go, Man of Steel, I thought, really did it well. It did it kind of differently. We haven't really seen that level of backstory when it comes to Superman in a movie. I I liked that Mopey he bitch had Superman. trouble. He was like actually having trouble. Little bitch, shut the f- up. He was having trouble like uh, controlling his powers, and it's, I thought that was really cool. I liked what they did. I liked that he's kind of a drifter at some point. It was interesting. It was an interesting way of doing the whole backstory thing. But I do agree that every time they reboot a character like yeah we're gonna see an origin story most likely with with tom holland's spider-man probably not as much since they already established him in civil war i think they're they're only gonna touch on because it looks like given the trailers it looks like he's already spider-man in the movie it'll probably be something more akin to like tim burton's batman where there might be like a, a five minute flashback but I think that's, for the most part, what they're going to do. I don't think it's going to be a full-on origin film, because they don't really need to, because they already, as I said, they already established it. It'll probably just be like like a five-minute uh, Uncle Ben being shot, you know, morning, morning at his gravestone kind of thing, flashback. And I don't think it's going to be a full-on uh, origin story. But you got something like Fantastic Four, right, which, which Fox is not going to let go. They did the origin in 1994. They did the origin in 2005. They did the origin in the cartoon. They did the origin in the other cartoon. They did the origin origin and fan four stick don't do the origin again okay well the the origin in 1994 doesn't count because the movie was never officially released yeah but everybody's so, seen it but the thing it, it still it does not count 
you know, people like people like us know who he is. People like us know of that movie. People of us have seen the movie and have seen the documentary. But anyway, that doesn't count. So the thing is, mm-hmm. when they did it, they did it uh, in the, uh, you know, the one with Jessica Alba and whatnot. That was when the movies were, uh, when comic book movies are really first starting to, to re-explode onto the scene. So, of course, they're going to do an mm-hmm. origin story. And then when they redid it, uh, you know, a couple years ago is a fantastic, you know, fan four sticker. They were doing it and they were adapting the ultimate Fantastic Four. So it was a slightly different origin story. And I don't like that. I think it's probably the worst with Spider-Man because they, you know, you had your origin and you had three films and then you had your origin and you had, and two, you had films, two films and now, <laughs> and now, you know, so something like that makes sense because it's like, okay, don't do an origin story again because it's so close to the other ones. And the people that have already seen the other ones, they already know the Spider-Man story. But a lot of people are not going to know, you know, Fantastic Four's backstory because it's not as popular as Star as, as uh, Spider-Man or it's not as popular as some of the other ones. So certain times it makes sense. I do think that sometimes they delve a little too much into the origin story, like with the, the Dr., uh, God, I'm saying Dr. Mordred. Uh, Dr. Strange <laughs> that, uh, that came out. Dr. Mordred's the better movie, though. Dr. Mordred is the better Dr. Strange movie. Yeah. But that was the thing. Like, they spent, that one, they spent too much time with, with the bat, with the, uh, the, the history of it and, and the origin story. And I really kind of wanted them to, to move beyond that because I, I didn't really care. I didn't think that his origin was all that interesting to begin with. And that really ended up kind of affecting how the movie came off but i do agree that uh, they need to if they're going to keep rebooting these uh superhero stories then they need to knock it off with the origins because if you've you know if you've rebooted it three times within less than 10 years you don't need to do another origin story unless you are veering wildly off from the source material if you're changing yeah. you know, if you're adapting uh you know a different one like i said if you're going to do fantastic four or uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four instead of the original Fantastic Four, well then, okay, maybe you could, you know, you could allow that. But most of the time, okay, we get it. Bit by radioactive spider, move on. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't tell us again. Okay, Uncle Ben, we get it. <laughs> you know, continue. Another one that bothers me is certain actors. Now, we all know there are certain actors that are super hot for a little while, and then they go away. There's Three actors that I hate for technically, that I hate so much, and they won't go away. Danny McBride, James Franco, Seth Rogen, and Kristen Wiig need to vanish from the face of the earth for me. I hate these people. I have never seen a single movie where a one of them is in that did not make me want to immediately turn it off because they are so unfunny. They are such terrible. Seriously, Danny McBride cannot act to save his goddamn life. William Shatner's asshole emotes more than Danny fucking McBride. So, of course, he's in the new Alien movie because Ridley Scott's lost his goddamn mind. I really don't, you know, Danny McBride doesn't bother me. I really, I mean, the... He, um, the only movie He's that the I acting really embodiment know, of truck nuts. The only thing that I know him in really is I saw him in, uh, this is the end. And, uh, he was easily like in a movie with a bunch of unlikable people. He was easily the most unlikable of the bunch for me. I don't like Channing Tatum, you know, his appeal. Aside Channing from, the living brick. Yeah. Like, like, okay. But I mean, I don't like Channing Tatum. 
I don't like uh, Amy Schumer, and I don't like, thankfully, she's managed to stay out of everything that I would even have an intention of watching, the uh, living pile of cookie dough, Lena Dunham. Oh, oh God, does she suck. Yeah, she deserves she, uh, to be stuffed into a cannon and aimed at a brick wall. She she said that she wished that she had an abortion, uh, even though she's never yep. been pregnant. Pretty much everybody on Twitter said uh, <laughs> your parents bet that they were, they were probably thinking the same thing. She 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 is a she terrible person. The, she's not even a good you guys actress. Heard what she wrote? You guys heard what she wrote in like her book that she like fucking masturbated next to her like little sister? Yeah. Oh no 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 she she got her his, she got her little sister to masturbate her. Like yeah, just, to, just to, to see what would happen. She literally deserves to get beat to death with a sack of bricks. Yeah, she molested like, her little sister. Nobody had a problem with this. Like, I mean, like, well, normal people had a problem with this. But, like, they're like, well, what? You know, it, it, what? like, she admitted to molesting her sister. Pete, you're still going to listen to what she has to say? Yeah, you know, like the fact that uh, the fact that Amy Schumer is uh, close friends with her that puts that immediately puts Amy Schumer on my shit list. Like, Amy Schumer uh, is ridiculously unfunny, and it's even worse that she's so unfunny she steals unfunny jokes from other comedians. She's a joke thief. Yeah, that too. and not even a good one. Yeah. At least Car- at least Carlos Mencia steals funny jokes. Well, the other thing too, uh, it's not even it's not even so much that she steals funny jokes and makes them unfunny. Like, cause she, she just sucks people like Amy Schumer and whatnot. It's just, there's no charisma there. There's no enjoyment. It's just like, I'm supposed to like this person cause reasons. I've always hated Jack Black. That guy has yeah. annoyed the piss out of me in everything I've ever seen him in. And he eventually did kind of go away. And I think Seth Rogen is the newest one of those. The man is Ugh. utterly talentless. I mean, at least he can emote a little bit. James Franco is one of the worst, I mean, seriously, he makes Danny McBride look talented. And so, of course, he's in the new Alien movie, too, because I think Ridley Scott's trying to make me not want to go see Alien Covenant. What would say about Danny McBride and James Franco, let's put these guys in a sci-fi horror film with no comedy. That'll work. Ridley Scott's lost his f***ing mind. Franco, I don't know, Franco doesn't bother me as much. I don't mind Franco. Yeah, Jack Black, I think. I liked him in the... I like Franco in the, the Raimi Spider-Man movies. I actually didn't mind him as, uh, was he, was he Harry? Harry Osborne? Yeah, he was Harry. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he wasn't bad. I liked him there. Yeah, he's, he's been like in some things that, and I kind of dig that he is doing like some weird, he did 127 hours. He did, he did the movie that was the kind of making of cruising, cruising. You know, like, yeah. I like that he's, like, kind of helming these, like, weird movies that more that more than likely wouldn't really be made. Now, Seth Rogen, on the other hand, mm. huh, hey, guys, smoking pot is Weed. awesome. Weed, man. Like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? Like, ah, oh, did, did, you, did you basically, like, smoke a joint when you were 13 and then just never grew up past that? Cecil, I actually heard somebody tell me that Seth Rogen and Judd Apatow together are the modern-day Cheech and Chong. Oh, and I was God. like, then you've never seen an actual Cheech and Chong movie, have you? Because the Cheech and Chong movies are always about pot, but they're about way more than that. Seth Rogen's movies are about pot. Yeah, they're yeah. about pot and nothing else, and it's how and it's about how awesome pot is. Like that's it. Like there's no no subtext, no humor, no clever things like the freaking Cheech and Chong movies. Like you said, they were about pot, but they weren't about pot. Pot was in them, and there were you know there was a lot of pot humor. I'm really really I've had it with Seth Rogen. 
I definitely agree with uh, pretty much every actor besides Franco and Danny McBride. I, I don't mind McBride. I, I love uh, Eastbound and Down is a really funny show to me, um, and I liked him in Tropic Thunder. I think he he was probably the best part of uh, This is the End as well. I don't mind James Franco either. As, uh, as Cecil said, you know, he tries to, to go and do sort of um, things that wouldn't normally get made. I think he I think he's more of like an indie actor at, at heart. I think he is more of like an actor's actor. He, I don't like him so much when he's trying to be funny. I, I prefer him when he does like real movies. As I said, I, I really enjoyed him in the, the Raimi Spider-Mans. I thought he made a, a fine uh, Harry Osborn. But when it comes to Seth Rogen, when it comes to Kristen Wiig and Amy Schumer and it's really unfortunate because they, they oversaturate so many of the movies that come out. I, I can't stand Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen makes me want to claw my fucking eyes out whenever I see him in a movie because I know what he's going to do eventually, and I swear it's in his contract. He's going to belittle his co-star at one point or another in the film. Done it in just about every film I've seen him in, including Green Hornet, Funny People, This Is The End, even Superbad. At one point, he's going to give his co-star even though his character is, oh, you know, I might smoke pot all the time, I'd be lazy, but you're being a piece of shit, man. It's, I swear it's in his fucking contract. He does it in every movie, and it just makes makes his performances just a little bit more cancerous than they even need to be. Amy Schumer, as soon as I found, like, I actually didn't even mind her. I didn't mind some of her stand-up. But when I found out that she was friends with that pedophile piece of shit, Lena Dunham, and that she steals jokes, that shit. she should just be booted out of out of Hollywood entirely, stuffed into a cannon and shot at a brick wall, along with Lena Dunham. Both those pieces of shit should be. Along with, it's the same thing with, uh, like, when I found out that, what was it, Roman Polanski was also, like, a diddler, like, I lost all respect for him as well. I, I hate that in Hollywood, it's it's so hard to actually lose your job. You know, you, people find out you're a piece of shit, yet you're still working, which is ridiculous to me. That's the thing I couldn't understand about Amy Schumer. When she got caught stealing the jokes, and there was just mountains and mountains of evidence. Yeah. Of, like, um, half of her stand-up and her TV show were stolen from other comedians who they could prove exactly. did, it, did the exact jokes first. How does she get hired then? You know That's what? In so the 1980s, that would have killed a comedian's career. Yeah, that would have absolutely. It because would have absolutely she... slaughtered a comedian's career. But it's like, isn't it? It's the equivalent of stealing on the fucking job, isn't it? People get fired for that. People in like union positions get fired if they steal from their job or they drink on the job or whatever. Why is it that these stupid golden cows, golden calves or whatever, get away with this shit? You know, if you're caught stealing jokes and your job is to be a comedian and be witty and on the spot and write your own shit and people find out that you're stealing from other people, fuck you, you're not a celebrity anymore. Deserve it. You've completely lost your better than everybody privilege card because you're not. You're a fucking thief. Yeah, with uh, with Schumer, the reason is that she kissed the progressive ring. She is, like, untouchable because she agrees she has the right politics. And yeah. therefore, she can get away with that kind of nonsense. If you're telling me, like, somebody else would have come along, uh, another comedian that, I mean, because really, nobody, nobody knew who the, who the Amy Schumer was a couple of years ago until she came out and all of a sudden, you know, she's friends with uh, with Lena Dunham and she's friends with Sarah Silverman, who I can't even get over how much of a hypocrite she is. Oh, my God. Her whole act 
was how you know, like how edgy she was and she said all kinds of racist humor and everything and now she's coming out being like oh no that was just that wasn't how i really felt i was just a, it was a parody of somebody Such and bullshit it, and it's like are you telling me that if another comedian would have come along that maybe was uh say a republican comedian you know a very uh a comedian who who very uh you know had that kind of politics that they wouldn't have been that wouldn't be raked over the coals no it was just a joke i was playing a character oh my god would they they be banned from all kinds of comedy club bullshit all these fakes all these people who used to be on the right are now on the left because the left is basically the right now in a lot of ways this whole progressive sjw it's more fascist than actual right wingers it's pathetic let's talk about movies let's talk about movies let's talk about what people want to hear and movies are the, the one thing that make me happy nowadays i i've joked about the bagul scares but really that's kind of not it's it's the Bagul scares have dropped off. The Bagul scares have dropped off, and I will take full credit for that. So, <laughs> as you should, as you absolutely should. Blumhouse saw your video, damn it! I am followed by a Blumhouse writer. So yeah, so uh, it's so that it, might it's, not uh, that might not actually be far off. It's it's it could be possible, you know, because I mean they I'm sure you know they're not dumb. They they want to make money. They could have you know I mean if you went into the uh, comment section, you saw how many people were like, oh my god, this is. F- and terrible and sometimes when you're presented with something that maybe you're not thinking of you look at it in that perspective oh shit maybe we are doing this a little too much and <laughs> uh and back off of it so i mean i would like to think i had something to do with that jokingly i'll say i i took you know i'll take credit for it but uh i'll at least maybe say that i i've started the initiative of people looking at it and being like uh all right maybe we need to knock this off so yeah but ghoul scares have, have drastically dropped off thankfully because they were getting just a bit out of hand there for a while one that bugs me and and this probably has more practical reasons and a more practical application but it still bugs me is when you see a trailer on youtube i mean you know the internet is the world right now you see some amazing foreign film trailer and then you know three years later there's still no u.s distributor and you're like do i have to bootleg your movie to see it that that really bothers me when i see these great looking independent or studio films from other countries that get no u.s distribution one of my favorite films of 2016 was a 2015 made film called zoom brazilian canadian film no U.S. distribution. I literally had to bootleg it to get it over here. There's a great, amazing documentary from England called Future Shock, the story of 2000 A.D., a documentary about the 2000 A.D. comics. It's been out nearly two years now. There's no U.S. distribution for it. You know, being a British comic, they figure no one in America is going to want to buy this. You people force me to bootleg your product. You cannot tell me there is not some American distributor that's willing to put out a a small release of foreign films. I'm sorry if I sound like a cinema snob, but as of right now, other countries are making better sci-fi movies than we are. We're making dumb sci-fi. With the exception of The Arrival, which I'm surprised was a major studio release, we make dumb sci-fi. You go to England and Canada and Brazil and Germany and you go, these are some really thought-provoking sci-fi films. Too bad in America I have to bootleg them. Well, I got a good one for you. There was a movie that came out, uh, I believe it was 2007, called Wreck. That was, it was a found footage movie, but it was a very good found footage movie. It's one of the better ones. Spain, and I think? Was that Spain, Spanish? Yeah, it was Spanish. Okay. Now, that actually had, it got all kinds of recognition, and it got picked up for U.S. distribution. The studio 
that had bought the rights to remake it in the U.S., they paid off the right people to delay the release of Wreck in the U.S. So basically they screwed over the distributors that were going to put the movie out in the U.S. because to they wanted to get... garbage-ass quarantine. To make quarantine. They wanted to get mm. quarantine out here first because they were afraid that if Wreck came out and people saw that, then they weren't going to want Wreck was it. a better movie. Wreck was a million times better than quarantine. So that was kind of the thing. So I have a feeling that a lot of times, one of the reasons why a lot of uh, movies do get delayed as far as uh, release data uh, released over here is because there are probably some douchebag somewhere that is paying to have the film delayed because i mean look at how many movies are remade and then they they'll do something where they'll change the name and then uh you don't know that you're watching a remake they're always trying to pull that kind of nonsense so i really wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason why we end up getting so screwed on a lot of foreign films because there's so many excellent foreign movies that just uh same now i import so i mean i'll you know i have a region fleet free player so i'll get you know the the b or c you know uh i'm too broke to do well no okay i used to do that like uh and sometimes it's an american film remember george romero's bruiser that was what 2002 that came out Mm, yeah. Something like that. That didn't come out in America until 2006. I had to buy the Region 4 German DVD to see this movie I was reading about in all the horror magazines. And you know what, U.S. distributors? I did not rebuy it when you put it out. Why? I already owned it from Germany. Because you took four f***ing years to put it out in America. Yeah, or what kills me, I crack up when you get a movie, it, it'll come out on Blu-ray in the U.S., and it'll be like just the movie, and it'll be like a really shitty, like, remastering. But then you look at it, let's say it comes out in, like, France, and it'll have, like, it'll be a two-disc edition with all kinds of bonus features, and the, the, the picture will be pristine and beautiful, and you'll get it'll great audio. It'll have a four-hour documentary. Four-hour yeah. documentary that goes along with it, a commentary, and all that. And then, you know, they release the, the version of the U.S., and it sucks. It's it's a crappy port, and it, like, I mean, I've seen movies where the the foreign Blu-ray comes out, and, it's, and I understand, again, this is going to make it sound very American snobbish, but, I mean, you you know, American, uh, the American Hollywood machine is often considered the largest largest moneymaker as far as that's concerned so yes i mean it, it makes sense for them to release the film in the u.s but when they put something out on on dvd or blu-ray and it's shitty then like that doesn't do anybody any favors and then it only ends up making the movie look bad and uh it makes people not want to buy it you know or they'll want to import the other version if they can so but, i mean like with with a movie like zoom Okay, it's Canadian and Brazilian. It's got Tyler LeBane and Allison Pill, two U.S. stars in it, and it is well, one of Tyler the most... Well, okay, he's a big star in the U.S., though. He's Yeah, he's, he is a, he's known in the U.S. I, I love the guy. I think he's great. Here's the thing about Zoom. It is one of the most clever and, uh, and unique sci-fi fantasy movies I've seen in decades. And I'm sick of telling people about it, and then people go, well, where can I get it? And I'm like, the torrent sites... Because there's no U.S. DVD for it. Because fuck us, right? There's so many other movies, for, you know, from the U.K. Doesn't need subtitles. You know, like, why don't they release these over here? It doesn't make any sense. Or they'll be like, well, this was a big uh, movie in the U.K. We have to remake it. What? Why? 
like it's already a hit. It's already well known. It's in the same goddamn language. Like I to as much as I get annoyed foreign remakes where they'll make J horror and stuff and they'll adapt it to a US audience and they'll, they'll be like, "Well, an audience isn't going to watch this because it's subtitled." As much as I hate that, I understand because there are a lot of people who just, "Oh my god, this movie has subtitles. I'm not reading a movie." So I I understand. Okay. That. But when a movie Cecil, comes out from the I UK, just went to see Princess Mononoke on the big screen subtitled. Why? I hate the U.S. version. Right. Because I wanted to see it subbed in the theater. Because dubbing ruins movies. Shaolin Soccer was Stephen Chow's movie. It was about two hours long. It's a hilarious comedy. And Harvey Weinstein bought the rights to it, cut about a half hour out of the movie, as he does. That's what he does. And had them re-edit the movie and change the dialogue around, alter the story. What? That's not new. A lot of 80s anime, when it came over, when you, if you saw the subtitled version and then the dubbed version, they're literally different stories oh, yeah. in a lot of cases. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's like, I mean, that was done a lot of times for content, you know, because there was a lot of things that were getting, uh, they would get away with the Japanese version or whatever, that they wouldn't be able to get away with the American version. So they did no, alter. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw out one exception, though. The anime series Sergeant Frog. I actually prefer the American version. I think the American voice actors are funnier, and the American localizations are funnier than I've seen some of those same episodes subtitled. I like the American version of Sergeant Frog better than the original. Well, comedy is different because, like, in, like action movies and stuff, like, like, and and horror movies, subtitling works. But with comedy, there is a lot to be said for delivery, and you're not getting well, yeah, the timing. Delivery, delivery and timing. And timing is very important. You're not getting the delivery that you do with text. CG face mapping. Ooh, yeah. Are you talking about talking Grandma about Tarkin every, and Princess Leia? Talk about every fucking time they do it, no matter what. The, the, when they've done it in the Terminator movies, like I didn't mind Terminator Genesis, but still, the face mapping looked terrible. The eyes look dead. The lips don't move right. I would rather they just get somebody who kind of looks like Arnold and put prosthetics on him, or got somebody who looks a bit like Carrie Fisher or who looked a bit like Grandma Tarkin. I hate it. I think it looks awful, and it takes me out of a movie just as much as a CG blood squirt or CG fire does. It doesn't work at the. Everybody's saying oh they'll perfect it they'll get it better no no they won't cg is at its peak of where it's going to stay for the rest of cinema in my opinion this is as good as it's going to get regarding texture regarding gradients or whatever this is as good as it's going to get with hair the way eyes look with the way lips look look cg looks great if you want to perform a stunt that a human being couldn't do without dying like somebody in a superhero movie getting thrown through a fucking brick wall or something or off of a building, okay? That's the practical use of CG. Making a dinosaur is a practical use of CG. Dead actors or just an older act, an actor who's too old who needs to look younger and using that for CG, please stop. It doesn't work. It doesn't look right. It feels like I'm watching an episode of Reboot. I hate it. Along those lines, we got to wonder what's going to happen with Star Trek or with Star Wars Episode Nine, because Carrie Fisher, they confirmed, shot all of her scenes for Episode Eight, so that's in the can. Apparently, she was to play a major role in Episode Nine. How much you want to bet? Rather than rewriting it, they're going to have CG Princess Leia in Episode Nine. Uh, yeah, they I don't, probably will. I, I don't know. I think that is the case. It might be too soon. Going to the the Grand Moff Tarkin thing. The thing that when he walked out. Like, you get that initial, like, uh, and then I'm like, uh, it looked, <laughs> it, like, at first, I'm like, oh, that's, that's, 
Peter Cushing. Oh wait. It, oh no. It's 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 not. It doesn't. The have voice that was even kind of off. Divine the voice, spark. The, the voice wasn't right. But the thing yeah. that got me the most was I did my review of it, and I was I dared to say that it wasn't that great. I had all these people that are like, oh, but Grand Moff Tarkin, he looked amazing. I didn't know for a second that it wasn't real, and I'm like, do you need glasses? Like, I mean, it, it in the scenes where it was just Grand Moff Tarkin, it wasn't so bad. It's when the scenes where he was interacting with yeah. the actual actors is that. Soon when you as could, the you could CG, tell it was yeah. As soon as the weird CG robot thing starts talking to other people, and you see the difference, you can tell how <laughs> bad it looks. It's so bad, it's horrible, and it's never going to get better. This is as good as CG is going to get. I'm confident in that statement. But there's just there are certain nuances of humanity that you just you can't capture it properly. We've we've talked about some things tonight that need to go away in our opinion and i'm sure we're going to get roasted in the comments over this of us being cinema snobs who don't like anything new i mean we're going to be doing a best and worst of 2016 at some point once cecil catches up and i've seen a whole lot of new movies this year like most of them but i've seen them so on that note where can we find cecil t find me at uh, escapistmagazine.com, goodbadflicks.com, um, goodbadflicks on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Peter, where can we find you? You can find me just hating everything contemporary on uh, Twitter, at Cinematica, on YouTube, the Cinematicus, Facebook, the Cinematicus, uh, 1201beyond.com, and the Grindhouse channel. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I'm also on House Channel, as well as Forces of Geek. Try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.